You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans and Padres fans. You are listening or watching Locked On Mets. I'm your host, Ryan Fickelstein. I got Javi Reyes of Locked On Padres here to talk a little bit of trash ahead of this series. Mm-hmm. Mets versus Padres, wild card round, two teams that don't see the playoffs often. Let's just take a minute to rejoice that our teams did it. They didn't collapse mm-hmm. like last year. We were the embarrassments of the National League. We're yeah. in the playoffs together. Isn't that great? That's a great point. I actually... Almost forgot about that for a second. Both of our teams kind of collapsed. I think the Padres were a little bit more up there uh, than the Mets were at one point last year. But then the Mets, you know, eventually the Braves came in and whatnot. And for the Padres, it was like of, you know, seismic proportions. You had dugout (laughs) arguments and whatnot. And then you had just players that just stopped remembering how to play like Trent Grisham. And now look at us. Look at us playing each other the look first round. It's, it's kind of poetic, actually. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, I want to start going through what's happened this season between these two teams because they met twice. Uh, there was a series in San Diego that happened where the Mets took the first game and the Padres took the next two. Then we had another series that happened right after the uh, All-Star break where the Padres took the first two of that series. So if you combine the two, a four-game winning streak for the Padres – against the Mets before Daniel Vogelback, our folk hero, was entered into the lineup in the final game of that series against the Pods. Uh, the Mets won that game in blowout fashion and then went on a run. And if we look at these two teams with the seasons they've had, the Mets are a 101-win team. Padres had a good year, but 89 wins. The Mets are the heavy betting favorite. You look at it, and it's the the longest odds we have of all these wildcard rounds. Is there any reason why I should be nervous right now? Absolutely. And here's the thing, Ryan. There's nothing I enjoy more than when when you see a look in someone, when you look into their eyes, you just see idealism, optimism, hope, and just, just joy. And seeing that after years of torture, right? Because the Mets really had like a really long tenure. You have a a weird ownership situation. You don't want to spend money despite the fact that they're the Mets. You don't do it properly. And then you go in and you have a great season. And then you have the, the Braves fiasco, which we can get into later, because I have some beef with uh, that narrative, how it's been talked about. But there's nothing I love more than just having the little scoundrels from San Diego. You know, these these, these Mets fans, hey, Dad, yay, Pete Alonzo, yay, <laughs> let's go watch the Grom. And then just seeing that childlike nature just be snuffed out. You know what I mean? Like a flame burning out in the cold of winter. And then here comes the swinging friars stomping in like the bullies they are. That, that Ryan, I think would bring me a tremendous amount of joy. Uh, it would break my heart, obviously. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's crazy. And you mentioned the brace thing. I kind of want to get into that right now because yeah. uh, I think that Right now, from, from the Mets' perspective, I have seen, and I've been part of the uh, you know downfall that we've seen uh, on Twitter, everyone acting like this baseball team suddenly isn't good because they got swept by the Braves and they blew what's been their division all year long. And they finished with an identical record as the Braves. As much as we want to talk about the difference in these two teams, it came down to literally that tiebreaker. Otherwise, same record, 101 and 61. 
Uh, do you think that we've been overreacting, I guess, is I think where you're maybe leaning here? Yeah, I, I felt this way for a while, and I've even mentioned on my podcast, and I get that that's what the industry is. I get that you got to just say collapse, and you got to say overrated and underrated and disaster and clearly better and whatnot. You see that with the MVP. You see that with the Barry Bonds and Aaron Judge thing. <laughs> There's not a lot of room for for nuance, and sometimes it's, it's funny and amusing. I'm not saying all the content talk is wrong necessarily, but with the Mets, I just don't understand how a team that won 101 games that is superior in a lot of ways they did not have jacob Degrom for a good portion of the season they lost starling Marte, which is a big thing that i imagine you're going to bring up too i don't understand how it is a a choke disaster collapse i was part of and you were part of last year actual collapses now you you could actually argue that the mets maybe were just kind of staying afloat by the fact that the division wasn't as strong last year with the Piders, it was genuinely like a, a collapse it actually if you look up statistics and all that stuff in terms of a second half record is clearly one of the biggest fall-offs the Piders had last year while everyone is just ignoring the fact oh well they blew it they had the division lead all yeah but it's not like they blew it to the you know 2017 tigers the Atlanta Braves are a really good team. So I think that by default, that that's an unfair thing to behold. You could say that they maybe blew it a little bit and that it was their division to lose. Yes, but a lot of people bring up the Marlins. Oh, well, you should have beat the Marlins. Yeah, well, they went 13-6 and six against them. It's not yeah. like they had an overall poor record. You can't view baseball in this like microcosm. That's my issue. Everyone's taking these games selectively. Well, they beat them 13-6. to six. They beat the bad team. Now, if this was like the Padres last year, to give a good example, the Padres went like 7-15 and 15 against the Rockies last year. That's a collapse because that is an overall prolonged stretch of playing poorly against a really bad team in the Colorado Rockies. No offense to those folks. But uh, yeah, so that's just been driving me insane. It's still a very good team. And this is just how it is sometimes, right? Like this isn't – the Dodgers didn't collapse last year when the Giants took the division. The Giants were really good, shockingly good last year. So I just think that you're allowed to say, yeah, Mets blew it a little bit, but really the Braves are just awesome with so much talent that kind of came out that people weren't expecting, right? So that's that's been my thing. This is still a very good team. And I conclude all of that by saying, don't let this whole narrative and the last weekend of, oh, DeGrom and Scherzer didn't look that good. Don't let that cloud you too much if you're trying to predict what you think might happen in this series. The Mets are still clearly, in my opinion, the better team on essentially every front, with the exception yeah. of maybe the third starter, maybe. But even that's really close. So, Yeah, well, we're going to get into the pitching matchups in a minute. But just to kind of wrap on what you're saying there, I, I've been trying to reflect on this more because in the heat of it all, I did get caught up in this being a collapse. And a collapse is too strong of a word, but it's it's – the fact that they struggled so much uh, throughout the month against the sub 500 teams and it did come down to a single game. And so I, it's hard not to look at each of these different moments. You're like, Oh, if they just won that one game, they might've won this division. But at the end of the day, those two teams that have been great all season had a series to decide the division and the Braves took all three and the Mets couldn't grab a single game. If they grabbed one, they would have won the division. And it's more about that, Last head-to-head, the Braves ended up taking it. And if you look at the first 12 games this season, the Mets were 8-4 and four against the Braves. Really, the last seven games, I'm going to kill my dog. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know what? Because of that, let's just, just move past the Braves, 
Mets talk, and we will get into this series. And I'm just going to close my point there and begin to tell you all about betonline.net, which is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find our latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, I do believe that... uh, we might be hearing more out of my dog Summer throughout the podcast today. She's going to weigh in uh, at certain moments, I believe. But uh, we'll see how she feels about the pitching matchups. What's interesting right now, there's a big wrinkle going on in this series. Game one, we know what the matchup's going to be. You, Darvish, Max Scherzer. And we'll talk about that in a second. But if the Mets win game one, there is a strategy that's getting floated out that maybe the Mets would put Chris Bassett in game two in what would be a somewhat house money game to potentially close out the Padres in two and hold on to Jacob deGrom for the following series against the Dodgers. Now, in theory, love it. Love the idea of deGrom being able to start game one and game five of that series. In principle, I think that I hate looking ahead like that, and Mm -hmm. I'd rather just see the best two pitchers. What was your thoughts if you've seen this, and uh, you think the Mets are playing with fire if they do go that route? You got to be careful. I I think that this – when has it ever turned out well when teams and, and across a lot of sports are already planning ahead, right? Or they celebrate too much of the right now in terms of like, I say they win game one. They're like, oh, let, let's save DeGrom, right? I just feel like you're begging. And this is a team, again, this is not a team that's kind of has that assuredness, right? Don't get me yeah. wrong. Steve Cohen era, things have changed a bit. You have my boy Lindor doing well. You have Alonzo. Okay, all that stuff. But for the most part, you associate the Mets with lol Mets, right? Like that's the meme. So I would not tempt, if there are baseball gods out there, I would not tempt those face. That being said, though, I will say, I don't know how Chris Bassett's been this year, but it's not like he'd be throwing out a scrub yeah. um, as far as I've been watching. Even Carrasco, say maybe if you want to do a piggyback sort of start, if you want to do that, I imagine that could be good. I don't know Carlos Carrasco's numbers against the Padres specifically, but he could. I could see that potentially playing out. Um, but I think that you probably game one's going to be a big test case because the Padres lineup is, oh my gosh, it's, it's not great in theory. Now everything gets reset. It is the playoffs. Everything deserves a reset, but for the most part, a team with Juan Soto and Manny Machado should have a better overall offensive output in this. They do not hit a lot of homers, which is something I know that, uh, DeGrom struggled with recently. So maybe that is a reason to play him and just say, screw it. We'll make it to the next series, but we want to get past the Padres right now. So I'm just saying this lineup for the Padres is probably not uh, the area in which the Mets need to be afraid. So I I don't hate the idea, but the problem is the low Mets thing, right? Like, is this just going to be, you know, I can see it right now. I don't, I know he doesn't, he's not the Pope of New York, Mike Francesa. He's not on there anymore, but I could, you, you, you spend all this money. On these starters, you, know, yeah. you don't throw them out there against San Diego. So I could see that, man. But uh, in terms of strategy, I'm just saying for people who might be against it, the Padres lineup isn't very good. So, Yeah, so I, I do think that's the biggest edge the Mets have. And I want to get into that in the final segment because I think that's where these teams are really separated. I mean, obviously you say Scherzer DeGrom is better than any one-two punch of baseball. 
But for this particular series, I mean, the way that that strategy is moot is if you Darvish shoves against the Mets like he's done yeah. throughout his career and the Padres win game one and you're starting DeGrom game two because your back's against the wall. And mm-hmm. this season, Darvish has pitched 14 innings against the Mets. He's allowed just one run, uh, 2-0 and on the season. For his career, he has a 2-5-4 or two five four ERA against the Mets. But the stat that really jumped out to me, he has a 0.741 whip. That is the best whip he has against any team in baseball. So Darvish versus the Mets, that's a little concerning. And I like that they went to Scherzer in game one because he has all the playoff experience uh, that you could want. He's more in the flow of this season than DeGrom is. And I, I do think that he can match zeros with Darvish. And if it turns into a bullpen game and we get the trumpets blaring and the Mets can maybe you know get a late run, I, I still like the Mets in game one, but that's going to be an awesome matchup on Friday night. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the Darvish Scherzer. I mean, this is this is why we follow baseball. Yeah. I know I'm speaking cliche terms right now, but this is what we love about the sport, right? When you get a matchup like this. Look, man, it's... Darvish is on a mission, I think. I think he's on a mission. I think this is a guy who thinks about a little bit. I think that people have reported on this, thinks about the way he collapsed. Now, that a real collapse in the World Series for the Dodgers. Like, I think he thinks about that a lot. So he's on a mission. And with the Mets, you know, with uh, what's-his-face, Max Scherzer, you know, the Padres don't have Daniel Camarena anymore. So, you know, no grand slam that he can allow to a pitcher this time, hopefully, uh, Mr. <laughs> Scherzer, man. That was, that, was, like one of the- that was the guy that he was looking over the scouting reports today, and he's like, oh, thank God. Thank God he's <laughs> like, not going right. to pinch hit. Manny, <laughs> Soto, pff, whatever. I played with Juan Soto. Like, we're exactly. good. I, I'm not that's worried it. about him. It's Dato Camarena. So, I think it's a sound strategy. But, again, I mean, this is that's why game one's going to be so much fun, right? It could be yeah. one of those games that is a, a pitcher's duel classic. Uh, I genuinely do not see a world where this becomes a super high scoring game. I could be wrong. I could yeah. be wrong. Obviously it's baseball. Who the, It could be eight, two by the end of the second inning. I don't know, but I really do think we're going to get a genuine, like at two runs at most from uh, both of these offenses. Um, yeah. So I, I'm really excited for it, man. I think this, a lot is predicated on this first game. And I think more so than a lot of the other baseball um, playoff yeah. series is their game ones. I think that a lot of game one, for this one in particular has a lot to do or is going to affect the outcome of the rest of the series. It's, I mean, it's a three game set, you know, it just mm. changes the, the, the whole math of a playoff series to oh, yeah. you're down, you're down one. Oh, you're facing elimination. I do like that. It's uh, not the one game play, as much as fun as the one game playoff was. I think this gives us three high stakes games, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a full series. So it's yeah. going to be great. And Game two, Blake Snell, I'm imagining. I don't know if they've announced it yet, but I would think they're going to go Snell. And the reason that I said that, and I did write an article about this, if you, you all want to check it out, just baseball.com previewing the series. But Great website. Great website, right? Uh, Snell, in the second half, you could speak to this as well, yes. but a 219 ERA, 105 strikeouts in 78 innings, and a 2.8 F4 is the second best mark in baseball among all pitchers not named mm-hmm. Zach Gallen. So he is on a tear. The Mets have struggled against left-handed pitching. If I'm them, I'm going Snell in game two. Uh, and so we'll see how it shakes out for the Mets. But to me, it's going to be Darvish now. Is that the way you think it's going to go? Yeah, because of what you mentioned about how the Mets hit against the lefties. I think that also with Snell, 
Um, he's one of those pitchers, Mets fans, you know, you haven't seen him necessarily before. He looks ugly when he pitches. He looks yeah. like he's laboring. And part of that is because he's one of the most inefficient pitchers in baseball. It's This isn't a guy who continually will go six, seven innings, right? It's the five is usually what you get out of him. The good thing is that, and then that's why I think it's impressive how his ERA has been, is that he'll give you like four or five dynamite innings, though. And that's impressive because if he went three and gave up one run, for example, the ERA and all that, we, we, we know how math works, everybody. So that's that's the impressive thing about Snell. Fastball slider combo. He's been leaning more on that ever since the second half, which is great. I think he tried doing some change up other off speed stuff the more uh, at the beginning of the season. But this year, what was working for him at the end of August last year is back. He strikes out a lot of batters. I know people might be thinking, oh, well, what about the walk rate? Yeah, the walk rate isn't great. But when you're missing as many bats as he is, it's not really a deal breaker, right? So I am curious, though, because the Mets do have a, a rather patient team. This yeah. is not a team that has a crap ton of strikeouts. Lindor, oh, yeah, his strikeout rate went up. But not it's like 19%. That's still unbelievably low, uh, especially for people who are capable of hitting for power like him and the rest of their lineup. I do have a question for you, though. Yeah. I do have a question. Here, here it is. Ready? Mm-hmm. Is Starling Marte this year's Chris Middleton? To use an NBA comparison for you real quick. Is this the injury for a guy that is not the best player? You might even argue that he's he's not even the, the most valuable uh, across both teams, honestly. But, like, you know, is this one of those guys that we're going to look back and be like, oh, man, yeah, Starling Marte, there was just an added layer to having him. The speed, the solid defense, just a, a, a degree of reliability coming out of that two spot that the Mets might have been. Um, lacking in the second half of the season. Is he this year's Chris Middleton, but for baseball? It's such a juicy question that what I want to do is answer it on the other side of a break after a quick word from our sponsors. <laughs> so is uh, Starling Marte the Chris Middleton of the Mets? And I don't love that question because that means that the <laughs> Mets are going to get bounced in the playoffs. Uh, but I will say it's actually, you know, kind of primes me to to pump another future article for just baseball. I'm going to be writing the injuries that most impact the playoffs that'll go up mm-hmm. on Friday, and Starling Marte is squarely atop this list. Uh, the Mets have struggled a bit without him. Now you look at their run scored. I believe that's the most run scored um, in baseball since he went out. But the reason is they've won games in blowout fashion where they've they've won ten to one. But the mm-hmm. record will tell us that. There's still a little something missing. I think that what the Mets finally fell into is a way to get around it. And what I mean by that is they got Jeff McNeil in the three hole. And I think the lineup finally makes sense because they were struggling so much to figure out who hit second with that Marte. Now they're going Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil, Alonzo. And I think that makes a lot of sense for the Mets. McNeil just won a bag title. He is the best hitter on this team, in my opinion. So instead of bagging McNeil fifth and sixth, like they've done throughout the season at times, they got him in his rightful spot in the order, and I think they can get by in this series. I'm more worried about Starling Marte, where he could become the Chris Middleton in the next round, because in the next round, if the Mets advance, you got the Dodgers with Julio Urias, with Clayton Kershaw, with Tyler Anderson, and he is their best hitter against left-handed pitching. So against Blake Snell, that could be yeah. an issue, but like you mentioned, Snell could be a little bit wild, and I think they're going to put a lot of guys like you know, with, with Nemo, McNeil, Louis Guillorme, guys that are just going to grind out at bats, Mark Canna, and they're going to try to get Snell out of the game in the fourth or the fifth inning and try to win that game against the, the Padres bullpen. And if the Mets do have the series that breaks out exactly how they'd want, here's how I think it's going to happen. Here's my blueprint. 
Mm-hmm. Scherzer wins game one. Mm-hmm. Game two, they do the Bassett thing. Bassett is able to hold it together. The Mets are able to grind down Snell, and they win it late against the Padres bullpen. I think that might be uh, how this ends up breaking out, but if it doesn't, we would then get to a game three, which could be Joe Musgrove, which was kind of your guys' ace, right, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. And he has, I was looking today, his last, but I think it was four or five, four starts. I think he has only given up one run. So he's pitching better mm-hmm. versus Jacob DeGrom with the uncertainty of what DeGrom's done lately. As much as I should feel extremely confident, if that's what we have a game three on Sunday night, I'll be nervous, man. I mean, that's, and that, that will be also like appointment television, I think for a lot of people, because yeah. it's, it's kind of the symbol of both franchises. Don't get me wrong. We have the shortstop. We have Manny Machado. We have that shortstop goober. We have some other guys too, but there's something, and I know you pitch for the pirates, but there's something so Padres about Joe Musgrove. He is a San Diego native. He threw the first no hitter and whatnot. So I don't know. I would feel pretty good about it, but with one more thing about the Snell thing, it's so interesting because the Mets have the type of lineup that we were mentioning. Like, isn't going to be prone to having a million strikeouts. Francisco Lindor isn't the type of player that strikes out three times. With Brand, Lord knows with Brandon Nimmo and Jeff McNeil, those guys are pests, right? They're not going to hit you like the home runs to end the game, but they're the type of pitchers that I could see Blake Snell struggling against. But then he's a lefty, so that's what I think game two is just going to be a blast to see how that kind of plays out. But yeah, Musgrove, man, I, I trust him implicitly when it comes to that game. I think this is a guy who lives for pressure. I think he's ready to be like, I'm bringing this to San Diego. If they lose that game, it will not be because of him. That's what I will yeah. say. It could be a weird Pierce Johnson comes in or Luis Garcia, relievers who are solid, effective relievers, but you just get a little scared of them every single time. You're just like, oh, my God, it's the Mets, though, and you're a little bit nervous. The teams are, look, man, I I know we've said this a lot, but it's a really good matchup. And I think that with the pitching of both of these teams, it's just every game could potentially be a a genuine pitcher's duel. And I don't think you could say that very often about a lot of playoff series, especially in the National League. So I don't know, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. And I know that you're nervous, but... Look, man, this is what you, I'm, this is, I'm, this makes you feel alive, you know? It, dude, it was because we basically got a playoff series last week against the Braves. And I was like, I'm like, dude, why do I want this? Like, I don't need this much stress and anxiety into my life. But uh, it, it's it's a nervous excitement for sure. I do believe this Mets team uh, has the edge here. And the, the biggest thing when I was doing the preview that I think jumps out is the disparity in the lineups because you got Machado and Soto, who we know, I mean, you can make the argument the best two players in this series. But mm-hmm. those are the only two hitters on the Padres that had WRC plus over 110 this year. Yeah, You go to the Mets. You got Brandon Nemo, 134 WRC plus. Francisco Lindor, 127. Jeff McNeil, 144. Pete Alonso, 144. You go beyond that. Guys like Mark Canna has a mm-hmm. uh, WRC plus over 125. Daniel Vogelback with the Mets has as well. Yeah. Eduardo Escobar was the player of the month in September. Yeah. Like. He Their lineup, the right time. Yeah. it's so much better, even without Starling Marte than the Padres, that mm-hmm. it's hard for me not to just look at it all on paper and think some way, somehow, this Mets team is going to figure this thing out. Yeah, and and look, Padres fans, we, we, we've talked plenty about Lindor and Alonzo, but the that Nimmo to start off is really annoying. McNeil is going to hit a lot of base hits and generate a decent amount of walks, too. He's solid. And... Mark Hanna, one of the most underrated outfielders in baseball. I was campaigning for the Padres to sign him this past offseason over some guys like K. 
Castellanos and some other outfielders that are available. I forgot who the heck was available, but I was campaigning for him because, you know, he actually got signed on a bit of a deal and he's just a walk solid player. You love those type of players in your lineup. There's just a lot of players in this Mets lineup that I know they don't hit home runs necessarily as much as other teams, but I just feel like they have these guys that will get you whatever type of hit you need. If it's a walk, if it's a long at bat, if it's a single, if it's a home run, if it's a two-run home run, I just like that balance of their team that they have. And I really do think that, assuming everyone plays up to snuff, that it really is kind of their series to lose when it comes to the lineup perspective. I could see a world in which they're pitching, they match each other, but I, I just, you know, you're in New York. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I just think the setup is right that if they do have a series loss, that it just won't happen round one. I think a lot of the aura is from last weekend and that yeah. we shouldn't let that take away from the whole body of the season. And a lot of people, I bet you, there's a lot of people right now. We talked about bet online before there's thinking, Oh man, the Padres got this in the bag. Everyone's <laughs> doing their, their playoff br- bracket. Everyone's picking if there has to be an upset, they're saying, Oh, it's the Padres. Oh, it's the Padres. It's the Padres. That's what everyone's probably saying. I haven't seen anyone really like if there has to be an upset, I feel like they're picking this series, but I'd warn people that recency bias is a thing and the Mets are kind of the candidate for that right now. So here's the, the X factor I see for the Padres. Cause if you're the, the Mets pitching, it's pretty easy to just say, all right, you know, if, if you got, as long as you got no one on base, just kind of pitch really carefully around those two guys, Machado and Soto, and then try to deal with the other hitters in this lineup. It's the Josh Bells. It's Brandon yeah. Drury. It's Jerkson Profar. If those guys can get timely hits, then this can turn into a really dicey series for the Mets. Mm -hmm. But I I just wouldn't bet on that based on their track records. And uh, I I think that the the Mets have uh, the edge here. Here, Here's my last question because we were were dancing around it before. What is the Achilles heel for each team? We'll, We'll start with the Padres. What do you think their biggest Achilles heel is going into this series? Achilles heel, I'd say, is... hmm. I think that we talked about it pretty well with the Snell thing. It's possible that they just drain him and that, that they get one run out of him maybe, but it's like, oh, he only went four. And then the yeah. Padres are a little bit nervous about trusting some of their, their bullpen arms who have been better in the second half. Robert Suarez, probably one of the better rookies on the team this year. He's been really great. Um, he throws gas too, so be careful of that. Um, Achilles heel, man. Achilles heel. I think that... When the time counts, they aren't always the best team with runners in scoring position. I know that that might be a little bit um, inflated, those numbers, because against the Dodgers this year, I think I saw one RBI in total, to be honest with you, against the Dodgers this year. So that might be a thing there, but I think that's what it is. I think it's that if they go out and Snell can't go deep into a game, I think that's where the issue strikes. I don't know if this is a team that can do comebacks the way that they did last year and the way that they did in 2020. This does not have a vibe to me that this team is like, yeah, we're coming back. We feel great about this, right? And if Soto and Manny aren't going, Jay Cronenworth has been a good player, a very good player. But is he the type of guy who's going to hit well for you? Jerks and Profar, we thought he would, but I don't know if he's going to right now. And then Hassan Kim, I actually strangely feel really good about. I don't know. I, I really feel good about Hassan Kim. I don't know. I just His I bat? smell the mojo. That's my prediction. I think Hassan Kim's going to have a good series. Um, but yeah, I just That's think that, like what you mentioned with Drury and Bell, those guys were supposed to be the added depth in the lineup to make it that you weren't just adding Juan Soto, that you were like, okay, yes, Tatis isn't there, but 
You're going to have Jury. You're going to have Bell. Bell having a great season. Jury having a career breakout year. And you have not quite got that. So that's the issue. I think that those are the two Achilles heels that if at the end of this lineup, they can't get those guys to drive in runs or even just get on base, then they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I think that uh, when it comes to the Mets and their Achilles heel, you mentioned hitting with runners in scoring position. To me, that's not necessarily the case. I think for the Mets, the Achilles heel is just the lack of ability to, to hit the ball out of the park. Outside of Pete Alonso, not a lot of home run threats on this team. Lindor had, what, 26 this year? I believe he had four every single month. He was very consistent, but... I, I just don't think he has that same juice to leave the yard at any time. Eduardo Escobar has been great lately. He's maybe your second best home run hitter on the team. And that smells like trouble for me. Uh, I don't know if that's going to hurt them necessarily in this series, but we saw it hurt them against the Braves. They had to play the Dodgers and the Braves throughout the playoffs. I think that is the biggest hole that can really come up for the Mets. And also it's the, the ongoing problem all year, finding someone to hit against left-handed pitching from the DH spot. Uh, we'll see who they go with. There's two kids. I talked about it with Aram actually on yesterday's show. Uh, Francisco Alvarez, Mark Vientos, who's that going to be? So if you want to check that out, you can uh, listen. But um, I think those are the issues. But it's going to be a hell of a series, three games, three great pitching Ooh. matchups. I can't wait to watch it. And uh, for the Locked On Mess listeners, I'll be coming on after each game to give you a little bonus content throughout the weekend as we break down playoff baseball for the first time for the Mets since 2016. It's for the Padres the first time since the 2020, uh, you know, fake season. <laughs> so if you <laughs> want to say excluding the fake season, then 2006. So it, it's been a long time for both. <laughs> Thank of you. Us. Yeah, a lot of similarities, man. Like seriously, and oh, six, I mean, man. I did that little character bit, you know, at the beginning. I pretended I was Lord Voldemort, but in all seriousness, if the Padres do lose, I really do like the Mets. I love Lindor. I've been very vocal about that. So and and what I think that they say for baseball, both of these teams, it's actually quite a shame that the Padres and Mets are playing round one. It really is because both teams represent the the best of baseball. What I mean by that is not just the fun and the attitude and even the fan bases, but rather these are two teams that tried, you know, we yeah, ta- I make true. fun of the Brewers every year or not every year, but this year specifically, that team was in first place and all they did was get rid of one of their best assets. Shut up all the comments. I know he hasn't been as great for the Padres, but maybe he'll be for this series. We didn't talk enough about uh, Josh Hader, but I think that in a league that keeps showing you that there's a lot of these teams that are just like, ah, we don't want to try. We're Cleveland. We don't want to try. Um, where the the Tampa Bay Rays, we're going to keep fooling people into thinking we're a really run or, well-run organization, even though we've never actually won a World Series before. We just make the playoffs and then get bounced by Boston round one, right? So I think that it's actually quite a shame. You want both of these teams to show, guess what? Actually, you pay for stars, right? It's not the only thing you do. But you go out there, you make an attempt, and you will be rewarded. So I think it's a little bit of a shame that they're playing round one. I like both of them, obviously. But uh, I'm excited, man. I think this is going to be a blast, and I think this is some of the most fun baseball that we'll get this weekend. I think so. I think it's the best series on the slate. And so uh, make sure you're watching every game and checking out both Locked on Mets and Locked on Padres. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow Javi at Javi with two eyes Pano. Uh, and make sure you make your second listen today. Locked on MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Locked on MLB is where you want to go to stay up to date with everything going on in Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked on MLB wherever you get podcasts.